0: Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Kirsty of Bits of Burnout Photography. <laughs> and I'm Caitlin of Ragamuffin Pet Photography. And today, we have an interview for any pet photographers feeling lost and confused by the world of commercial pet photography.
1: Our guest today has over 15 years of experience working with editorial and commercial clients, everyone from pet insurance companies to animal magazines, from dog food businesses to pretty much any commercial client that you could imagine. She specializes in creating modern, authentic images to help her clients get away from that stereotypical stock photo look, and that's a mission which has led her to creating the Fetch Stock Company. She also teaches photographers how to navigate this industry with her
2: big commercial guide.
1: It's Jamie Piper of Cowbelly, Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club,
2: Jamie. Hi, gals. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to share information that's really hard to come by.
1: (laughs) Yes, Yes. it really, really is. Um of the century. I think it's so difficult and so confusing to try and work out, you know, how to quote, how to get commercial clients, what the hell you're supposed to do. There's real it's really hard to learn what to do. So I think it's really exciting that you've actually put some education resources out there into the world. It's, it's really great to see.
2: Yay. I have <laughs> reasons. I have reasons for doing that. I don't know if you, if it's one of the questions yeah, lot, that you guys yeah. want to ask me or if you want me to just tell you what my motivation is for doing it. Um, I could talk about this for hours, so I'll try and make it as concise <laughs> as possible. Um, the the commercial photography industry has changed dramatically in the last, well, really like 10 to 15 years. Um, and it seems like the more time goes by, the more quickly it changes. And I've noticed just in the last two or three years that the landscape has changed considerably compared to how it was three or four years ago. Um, and what I've been finding um, a lot the last couple of years is I've been... Um, competing for jobs against regular pet photographers, not, um, commercial photographers, or even photographers who have any experience doing commercial work, more and more ad agencies and uh, client direct, which would be a creative department at a company, are reaching out directly to pet photographers through their websites and asking them to bid on projects. Um, So that's one part of it that I've become aware through talking to uh, creative teams and art directors that I know, that I'm not, Necessarily competing with other commercial photographers. So I know for a fact that these companies and agencies are talking to photographers that don't have any experience. And I, I can only imagine what it feels like when they get that bid request in their inbox. They're like, oh my God, what do I do? Um, <laughs> and unfortunately, as a result of the inexperience, they end up sending um, what I call lowball bids, which are um, bids that are like a quarter or a fifth of the um, total amount that they should be. And and then what's happening is these huge agencies and these ginormous clients that have, you know, millions of dollars in their um, annual advertising budgets will take advantage of these smaller photographers. They'll, they'll hire them aware that they're probably going to have issues. They're not going to get everything that they really need out of the shoot because the photographer hasn't accounted for all the expenses that they need to, but they're going to do it anyway. And even if it means they have to reshoot, it'll cost them less than if they had hired me in the first place. So, um, two things are happening. One, I'm seeing, um, my pet photographer colleagues, taken advantage of by these big corporations which really chaps my hide i mean it just makes me so incredibly angry that they do that um and i I just don't see this industry being sustainable for anyone when that continues to happen. And then number two, on a selfish side, I'm losing jobs to people who don't have the knowledge that they need to to do it properly. Uh, And it's really painful for me on a personal and professional level. And it's made it extremely hard for me to compete. So I realized I've got this wealth of information and knowledge in my brain that I can share with people that won't just help them out in terms of educating them, but it will help me out because it'll make it a more even playing field. And it'll be a much fair fight when I'm going into a bid with other, uh, you know, animal and pet photographers that may be doing it for the first time. So those are my motivations for providing this information. It's half of it is purely selfish. (laughs) It's my desire to land more bids, uh, or at least (laughs) know it's a competitive fight. Um, And then number two, to try and at least suppress a little bit the agency and company's ability to take advantage of other photographers. So that's why I'm here talking to you guys. That's why I'm sharing this information.
1: I love that. It sounds like um, you've got a pretty similar motivation to education that Kirstie and I have and the whole reason why we're starting the podcast as well, why we started the podcast is that we're sort of... (laughs) fighting the decline of photography as an industry. And it's that mindset that if we can all work together and everyone's being educated, then as photographers, as a community, then we can sort of rise above and be be quoting appropriately, be charging appropriately. Um, If we're all working together and then there's some sort of uniform approach, then it benefits everyone rather than thinking competitively like, oh, well, I know how to quote for this, for example, with commercial work. So I won't tell anyone else because at least I know what's going on. So I really, I love hearing that that's your mindset. And I think that's a a great approach to teaching and everyone's really lucky that you're here to share all your knowledge
0: because it is (laughs) such a confusing, confusing industry.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, to your point, Caitlin, it's, it's the same thing in the commercial photography uh, industry as it mm-hmm. is in the what I what I call the portrait photography industry which in, to me includes pet photography you know, working for private mm-hmm. clients it's the same exact thing that we want to be able to um uphold the industry so that it it remains sustainable in the long run for everyone um and the only way we can do that is as a group basically banding together and saying hey this is how it's done and this is what we expect of you our clients who are hiring us um mm. these are our policies and you know this is these are our, our expectations of you um and when we're, when we're all completely scattered and we all have totally different um you know business policies and pricing and we're just all across the board um A companies are really confused. They don't have the slightest idea what's going on. They're like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how much this should cost. I don't know what's reasonable to expect. Um, I don't even know who I should contact that they're really confused. Imagine, uh, being a a small company and hiring a, a commercial photographer for the first time. It's like mind boggling. Um, and then the photographers don't know, so they're like, "Oh, I don't know, five hundred dollars maybe. Uh, that sounds okay, you know." <laughs> um, and, and that's barely even covering their business expenses for whatever yeah. job they're doing. So yeah, I mean, I I I think it's I think. I think that the changes that have happened to the industry, both on the portrait photography side and the commercial photography side are really sad. Um, and when I allow myself to think about it for too long, it really depresses me. Um, (laughs) because this is art that we're all creating and it's really meaningful art when we create it for regular pet owners and it's really valuable art when we're creating it for companies because it helps them make money. Um, so, yeah, I have a lot of different, like, thoughts and feelings and opinions about yeah. um, the photography industry as a whole. Like I said, I could talk about that part for hours, but <laughs> I think you get, my, you get my point. I think we're all on the same page. Yeah, definitely. So,
0: Jamie, um, I guess that's where the industry is at now. What about if we take you back, um, I don't know, 15 years, I guess, 10, 15 years. Did you start off um, with Private clients, or did you go straight into commercial?
2: I did. I start well, I did both, um, mm-hmm. primarily private clients. Um, I started Cowbelly Pet Photography in Seattle, Washington, <laughs> in the US, uh, in 2003. And at that time, the commercial photography industry was still um, in its heyday is what I like to say, um, where there wasn't a lot of competition, commercial photographers that were doing it were making phenomenal amounts of money. Um, the stock photography industry was still, um, at its peak. And, um, it was, that was really the, <laughs> one of the, the best times to get started uh, really the 1990s was the best time to get started or even before then. Um, And so I started working primarily with private clients, just regular pet owners. And um, when I was marketing my business in the beginning, I ended up creating a lot of uh, partnerships with small businesses in my community. They were all pet related in some way. So I had a friend that owned a dog daycare. Uh, I had another... Um, relationship with a woman who owned a pet store and a dog daycare. Um, I knew a woman who made clothing for pets, and so on and so forth. I, I knew a lot of people in the industry. And through those partnerships, I started doing commercial photography for them on a very small scale. So things they could use on their website and social media, if they had social media at the time. Um, I did some photos for business cards, um, just kind of small small things like that. Mm-hmm. And the first two or three years that I did that, the commercial photography, I didn't charge anything for it, or I charged a very small amount, because I was uh, I was doing two things. I was portfolio building, and I was also list building, client list building. Mm-hmm. And we can talk more about that later, but having a client list in commercial photography is very valuable and really important. Um, so I just started building a, a literal client list that I had on my on a page on my website that talked about commercial work. Um, so that's what I did for the first few years and then started working with k- kind of somewhat bigger but still local companies uh, and doing kind of longer shoots. You know, instead of doing a couple hours, I might do a half a day or a full day. Uh, and just sort of worked my way into it very slowly over time. And then in 2008, I did my first, what I call big produced shoot, which was a multi-day, I think it was like six or seven day shoot for, um, a huge, huge corporation. That's a household name around the world, um, for their, all their dog food and dog treats. And that was like basically throwing me to the wolves and, (sighs) That was the moment where I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm in so far over my head. I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) And that was when I started trying to do research on commercial photography. And it was so hard because there's just nothing out there. I mean, there's a little bit out there, but there are no workshops. Mm -hmm. There are a couple books on Amazon, um, most of which are many years old and certainly not current, um, There are, there are, there are consultants out there, but they're also kind of hard to find. Um, there are some blog posts and I think the few blog posts on like commercial photography pricing, everyone's looked at like eight times. Um, (laughs) and, and so it was really 2008 that I started my journey into trying to find information on commercial photography, created a contract, Um, I met with a couple attorneys and just trying to wrap my head around like, what does this all mean and how does this work? Uh, And then from 2008 on, I was working primarily with national and international companies. And then I, I continued to do the private client work until 2015. It was the spring of 2015 and I decided to drop the private client work completely and Uh, transition exclusively to commercial photography. Mm -hmm. So I have been doing, um, almost exclusively commercial work for, uh, three and a half years now. And I do the very occasional private client shoot for people who are willing to spend what I'm asking, (laughs) for, (laughs) which is not very many people. Um, so that's it. That's kind of a long story, but that's my history with commercial work. Mm -hmm.
0: And can we just rewind? I think you mentioned that when you first started, you, um, you basically gave away your time for free to build a client list. So I've got two questions about that. Number one, would you recommend, um, shooting for free today for people starting today? And number two, um, let's talk about client lists, but first, yeah.
2: Yeah. The portfolio building. Um, so one thing that I want to share that I think is a really important, important point, and it's hard to grasp mentally until you've had enough experience that you really get it. Um, and the point is that the commercial photography industry is like a whole other line of work. It's a, it's a totally different industry mm-hmm. than portrait photography or pet photography um i like to say it's a whole other animal uh-huh, pun intended <laughs> um <laughs> everything is different the the process is different the contracts are different pricing is of course totally different the way you work with clients is to everything is different the the photos themselves are even different um A portrait photo is not a commercial photo, and vice versa. Um, Some exceptions, but generally speaking, that's true. So I encourage people who want to get started in commercial photography to treat it like they treated their pet photography business when they first started. And to start by doing portfolio building free shoots or very low cost shoots, you know, at least get your expenses covered if you have any, um, you know, if you need to rent a lens or hire an assistant for an hour to make sure you have those things covered. Um, but the goal is, is really twofold. One, it's to, um, It's threefold, actually. One is to create the client list, which we'll talk about in a second, Mm -hmm. um, which is more valuable than really anything else. Um, Two is to create a portfolio of commercial images, which have a commercial look and feel to them. And three is to get used to what it's like to do commercial photography in terms of interfacing with the client, creating contracts, um, developing pricing, what the process looks like from start to finish. What the expectations are and just everything involved in commercial photography. Um, and the point of doing all of that is to become very comfortable with the entire process and making the photos so that when a photographer is hired and a client is paying them decent money um, to do the photo shoot, the photographer feels confident enough to deliver on what the client is expecting of them and, or is knowledgeable enough to say, Hey, you know what? That's outside of my wheelhouse. And I don't feel like, I really don't feel like I'm the right person for this job. Um, which I still do to this day. Uh, and I think that's important because, um, it's, (laughs) it's usually not a good idea to sign on for something that you don't think you can do. Um, because (laughs) often the results aren't going to be great. Um, you want to have great results because you want to be able to put that client's name on your your client list. I've certainly worked with companies that I don't have on my client list because I'm like, oh my God, I screwed that one up big time. Um, <laughs> you try, want to try and minimize those as much as you can. So there are a number of very valuable, important benefits to doing portfolio building and the great thing about it is, it's really easy to do because a lot of small businesses, especially you know in your immediate community, don't have the budget for commercial photography. They can't spend you know a couple thousand dollars on a commercial photographer uh, to get images for their website and their their brochures or what have you. Um, so, being able to pitch your services to them uh, in a way that's no risk for them whatsoever. Um, it's really easy to do in terms of being able to get clients to agree and go ahead and book a shoot. Um, And the other great thing about it is you can pick and choose who you want to work with. If you have a relationship with another business owner, that's not so great. Don't work with them, you know, uh, uh, connect with the people who you think will really value what you're providing to them. Um, And then it's possible that those Those business owners could translate to paying clients in the future as they grow their business. So maybe they start off locally and maybe they become regional or even national or international at some point in time. And if you create a long term relationship with them, just like you would a regular pet owner, they could come back and hire you time and time and time again in the future. So it's definitely worth investing that time upfront, treating each photo shoot like a regular paying client. Um, providing the same level of service that you would to any of your other clients and work really hard to do a good job. Um, So, you know, as painful as it is to think like, especially if you've been in business for several years or even many years, you're like, Oh my God, I have to go back. I have to go back to (laughs) portfolio building. Like really? Oh my God. Like it's like starting all over again. Right. Um, (laughs) But, and yeah, it really is because like I said, it's a whole different industry. Like you are starting from scratch in this in this parallel but different industry if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, would your advice be for someone who's looking to start in in that industry they should be the people or they should be the ones, sorry, approaching potential businesses that they might want to work with and approaching them saying, look, I'm, I'm starting up this aspect of my business. I'm portfolio building at the moment. Would you be interested in collaborating? Say, is that the sort of approach that you would have?
2: Exactly. And I, I just, I just had an idea just now that I've never thought about before. Um, Part part of the reason why you really do need to start portfolio building for free is because you don't have a commercial body of work to show that potential customer. Um, and the we can talk we can talk in a minute about what I feel the differences are between a portrait photo and. Um, remember when I say portrait photo, I mean pet photo or a photo of uh, a family, you know, human beings with their, their pets. Um, So that kind of the private client side is what I'm um, referring to as portrait work. So we can talk about what I feel are the differences between portrait photography and commercial photography. Um, So, Without a body of work to show a potential commercial client, it's hard to sell them because they're going to want to know, like, well, what other companies have you shot for? So the idea that I just had, I think is a really good one, is as you're building this commercial portfolio, what you could do is start charging um kind of like on an exponential graph. So maybe you do the first 3 or 4 shoots for free, and then the fourth shoot you charge a couple a couple hundred dollars or something. And then the fifth shoot you charge 300, and then the sixth shoot and so on and so forth until you hit like the 10th shoot and then you're charging full price because you can because now you have a body of work and you actually have legitimate experience doing it up until that point. And then what you could do is you can start at the very beginning, the first few shoots with like maybe like a dog walker, you know, a single person business that you know has like no budget to spend on photography of any kind. Um, So start with a dog walker, photograph them, you know, in their line of work for whatever their needs are. Uh, And then as you move up the scale, you know, in the middle of those shoots, maybe pitch a dog daycare uh, that has multiple locations. And then, you know, your final kind of portfolio building shoot could be a, a regional company that has has many locations and, you know, decent budget. So you could look at it like that. You're, as, as you're growing this commercial portfolio, you can start charging a little bit of money and then a little bit more and then a little bit more until you get up to like standard rates. Um, so that's, that's what I did without really intending to. Was, everything was kind of accidental.
1: I love the idea of doing that not accidentally though I think that it would be so easy to feel like well so how do I know when to start charging if I'm going to start doing that and blah 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 whereas if well for me personally I'm an intense planner so (laughs) my planning head loves the idea of Right, so I would sign up three people here and do this and then I would just move myself along the pipeline. Um, so I think that makes it a much easier way to grasp the whole idea of um, portfolio building and there is an end goal in mind here. This is what I'm literally building myself up to. Um, so I think that's a great that's a great approach to doing it. Yeah,
0: Jamie, can I just ask um, – oh, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, I bet I'll start again. Can I just ask um, – when you say like you're approaching these businesses, let's say the first one, the single person business, maybe a dog walker or a single groomer or something like that. Um, Are you going to them with your idea of, you know, do you want some headshots or are you just going and vaguely saying, what could I do for you?
2: Um, You know, either one. I, I think it really depends on what your, your, Per, your personal goals are. And when I say personal, I really mean professional, um, personal to your business. So um, let's, see, let's see if I can think of an example. Um, maybe what you want to do is add. Maybe you photograph people and pets and that's that's your business model. And maybe you know that in the long run, you want to add headshots to your services and headshots for business owners. And so that's what you would want to pitch because that's what you're trying to get more practice in. Does that make sense? Yeah. If I had to do it over again the right way, I would have done more studio commercial shoots because I find those incredibly challenging and I have very little experience doing it. So I would have made a concerted effort to pitch companies on doing some studio shoots with dogs and cats in a studio, especially cats. Oh my God. (laughs) Cats on a commercial set in a studio are (laughs) almost impossible (laughs) to photograph. It's really challenging. So, you know, I think each. Uh, photographer should evaluate what their long-term goals are what they want to be photographing more of in a commercial capacity and be pitching that so that they can get experience doing that specific kind of photography in that setting
1: and again if you were pitching something like um, studio shoots for example would you be organizing to pass on assuming you would be renting a studio or renting the equipment that sort of thing you're agreeing to pass on just those costs to the client or would you be eating those costs to start with when you're portfolio building?
2: Yeah. I mean, it really depends on kind of where you are in the process. So maybe mm-hmm. if you, if, if part of the experience that you want to get is going to have a cost associated with it. So an expense in the commercial world, we call them expenses. Um, mm-hmm it's a per project or per shoot expense. Um, maybe you leave those shoots that have expenses to like the mid part of your process. So like maybe the fifth portfolio building shoot out of 10, um, instead of the first four and you focus, you know, the first three or four on, um, on shoots that won't cost you or the client any money at all. Um, You know, you don't have any permit fees associated. You don't have any rental fees. It's just like easy, easy for everyone to jump on board and get involved. Uh, And then, you know, after you've done four shoots and you do have a small body of work and a, a short client list, It would be easier to convince a small business owner that, hey, this is worth it. Look, this is the other work I've done. This is how great the photos turned out. And hey, this is where they're using them. Like, doesn't this website look great? You actually Mm -hmm. have something to sell your services with. Um, You know, it's easier to market and promote that way so that if you do have a couple hundred dollars of expenses, the client would be more likely to pay for it than if you have absolutely nothing to show for any Mm -hmm. experience. That makes sense, right? Definitely.
1: Yeah, absolutely it does. So speaking of being able to show, you know, potential clients, that client list, can we dive back into what a client list is and why it's so important.
2: Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad that you brought us back there because that's that's uh, something really important that I, I don't want to skip over. Um, so if you do research on commercial photographers' websites, what you'll notice right away is that there's very little text. Um, there's, there's very little fluff. There's very little branding. It's very simple and the focus is on the photos. So the whole website is just completely filled with photos and usually you can see the photo is big you know they take up most of the screen uh or most of the website anyway and then there's usually just one or two text pages uh, there's usually a contact page and then a, an about about the photographer or photographer's bio or something like that and the photographer's bio is usually just a couple paragraphs of information on their their background their history how they got started in a commercial photography and then a client list and you'll see um on any established commercial photographer's website, they'll have this big client list that lists some really impressive names like Nike, Microsoft, Apple, you know, like airlines and that kind of thing. Um, and that's educating potential commercial clients that, A, I have experience, look at all these companies I shot for, and more importantly... B, these other companies trusted me enough to create imagery for them. And that is huge. So the more reputable and well-known the company is on your client list, the more impressive it is to a potential client. So the client list, in my view, is just as important as your, bod- your commercial body of work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That makes that makes perfect sense. I we already you know stalked your website, obviously. So for the listeners out there, you can I mean head over to Cow Valley so you can see it all. But Jamie's got her client list there. She's got everyone from you know Pedigree Mars to Applause and City Dog Magazine, and it does. Yeah, I can understand why that would be so important. That sort of social proof for potential clients, um, just to see that you're worth trusting. So would you have You mentioned before that being able to show the work on a website that the client is using, for example. So would you also have sort of excerpts and that sort of stuff on your website or just links to it?
2: When you say excerpts, what do you mean?
1: Well, for example, I'm thinking, um, I don't know, tear pages or if it was... Your photography use on a product. Examples of the product. That's oh, the thing. Would you just list the client names? Yeah,
2: I see what you're saying. Um, most commercial photographers don't link to where the results the actual live. work. Yeah, right. online. Um, it, some commercial photographers have tear sheets on their website. A tear sheet is an example mm-hmm. of uh, the finished product, um, which would be like a magazine ad or product packaging or whatever or digital ad. Um, whatever the end result is from the photographs that you created. Now, not, not all commercial photographers have tear sheets on their website because unfortunately, um, oftentimes they're really hard to get. Um, like one example that I can think of is I did a shoot for a major um, flea and tick manufacturer that I believe they sell internationally. And this was um, three years ago. I think somewhere two and a half, three years ago. And they, and it was for, it was for product packaging specifically, and they still have not come out with a new packaging. Oh, right. <laughs> so, okay. Um, my thing is that usually by the time most of the shoots that I work on are bigger, uh, either for national or international clients. Most of the shoots I work on by the time the tear sheets or any finished result is done or ready, I have so long moved on and have forgotten all about it. (laughs) And I always forget to ask. I just don't ask. uh, Other people are better at that than I am. And sometimes you can't get them. Um, And it depends on a non disclosure agreement that you sign, which we can also talk about. That's really standard in the industry to have ad agencies and commercial clients have you sign a non-disclosure agreement where you are legally not allowed to talk about the project. Um, And in many cases, you're not allowed to even share the photos on your website or social media. Um, And the bigger the client is, the more likely that is to be part of the the non-disclosure agreement. Um, So there are a lot of different variables that come into play. Um, when it comes to whether or not you can share that work on your website. So, um, the, I, in my opinion, a commercial client is really looking at like your capabilities Uh, based on the photos that they see on your website, would you be capable of creating the photos that they need for this specific project that they're considering you for. When you think of um, it like that, and then having a general sense of like who you've shot for in the past is extremely helpful. But they don't like I've I've never had a commercial uh, like a potential commercial client say, "Oh hey, I noticed that you photographed for blah blah blah. Like, can I see the photos from that?" That's never ever happened before, and it would be really weird if if they did that okay like it's just not standard you know what i mean
0: that's not all that right. different from yeah. um private commissions either or you know for portrait clients as well you know that's the same reason we have a quite a varied gallery on our website of all the work that we do because people you know again for the same reason you know for a client to look and think Oh well, she was able to photograph that dog in that way. She'll be, or he, he will be able to photograph my dog in that way. Or, you know, it's the same reason we show you the photos with the lead on and then retouched as well, so that we can be like, you know, we can photograph your dog on lead and you won't even know afterwards. You know, it's for the same reasoning. So um, that totally makes sense that you would be doing the same thing in commercial, but the benefit is you can drop these big names when you're
1: allowed to um, to help build trust further. Um, right now speaking of the whole private portfolio commercial portfolio can we dive sorry to keep taking you back can we dive back into you mentioned that there's quite a distinct difference in your mind between private or portrait photos and commercial photos what would that difference be
2: yes um I love, I love this question because it's something that I had to think about for a long, 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 long time before I really had a good grasp on, um, what that means and, and, and really how to define and qualify and quantify what those differences are. How are they different? Because you know, we're talking about a visual art form. It's really hard to explain the difference, um, in a, in a, um, in an objective way between a portrait photo and a commercial photo. photo. And, um, I'm, I'm about to explain to you in my opinion, what those differences are. And, um, some of these are subjective and some are objective, like, oh yeah, that's definitely true. Um, but this just kind of gives a general overall idea of what the differences are. Uh, FYI, this is page 22 of the Big Guide to Commercial Photography, which is the 356-page, three, <laughs> essentially, ebook um, PDF guide in, in one of my educational bundles. So um, what I'm going to do is read the, 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 I'll say aspect, that's not the word I'm looking for, but the aspect of a portrait photo versus the corresponding aspect of a commercial photo. This will make sense as I go through it. Okay. So portrait photo is often subjects looking straight into the camera. So when you're shooting a dog, you know, or or even a cat or whatever, the most engaging photos are usually the ones where the animals looking straight into the camera and like, Oh my God, if you get the head tilt, like oh game over, it's going on a huge canvas, you know, on the client's wall. Um, most commercial photos that you'll notice, the subjects are looking away from the camera. They're not looking straight into the camera. Sometimes they are. It depends on what the purpose of the photo is. But the majority of the time, they're not looking straight into the camera. So it is, it is somewhat more photojournalistic as opposed to like a straight portrait. So that's one part. Uh, In a portrait photo, the backgrounds often contain details and often the environment is a key player in the photo. In a commercial photo, usually the backgrounds lack details, the subject is the main focus, and simpler is better when it comes to the environment around the subjects. Um, Going back to the portrait photo, Portrait photo often has little or no negative space, which is the area around the subject in the frame. Um, And often the subject or subjects are filling the frame and or they're centered or, or slightly off center. And many commercial photos have a lot of negative space which creates room for text copy or ad copy is what we call it. So if it's going in a magazine ad, there needs to be a lot of negative space to overlay a logo. um, And, you know, the the big blurb, um, any quotes, cycle descriptions, like you need a lot of room for text. So on many commercial photography shoots, you are shooting specifically with that end product in mind. Like I keep going back to, I photographed a little boy and a cat peering through a slat in a fence. Uh, we thought it was going to be really challenging. It actually ended up being pretty easy. Um, generally not easy, but that one was, um, and, th- and I had a, um, I had, uh, one of my techs, Cameron working on set and he, and I was shooting tethered to a laptop. And so they could, he and the art director could see the images as they came into the laptop. And she was literally overlaying the, um, the ad copy onto the photo as they were coming Mm -hmm. into the laptop. So we could see as far as the layout went, is this working in terms of negative space? And it was really cool to see like, this is what the finished product's going to look like, you know, two minutes after I took the photo. Um, And so that's often how a commercial shoot will work is you are moving a lot more slowly, you're creating a lot more deliberate photos, and you're creating a lot more photos that have a lot more negative space. So that's like one big key difference. Um, Back to the portrait photo, they're often static or posed, um, and they're lacking a specific behavior or movement. And many commercial photos are dynamic and capture behavior and movement. There's something going on in them. And one of the reasons for that is in advertising, a photo that has some sort of activity or action is more engaging to the customer than one that's static. And I'm not talking about like video or cinemagraph for versus still photo, I'm just talking about what's happening in the photo mm-hmm. itself. Um, so that's another part, uh, going back to the portrait photo subject is often engaged in the ca- with a camera in some way. This goes back to the first thing I said about subject looking straight into the camera. Uh, commercial photos, usually more fly on the wall. Like you're, you're peering into a scene, but you're not like involved in it. Um, portrait photo is often even lighting across the frame which is, of course, important, something we all want to aspire to when we're creating beautiful photos for pet owners or, you know, families. Um, and a commercial photo is often a focused lighting that draws attention to the subject themselves. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain in words, but as you do more research on, on commercial photos, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Back to the portrait photo. Portrait photos usually capture a simple moment in time. And a commercial photo tells a bigger story. So that's another really big, like important difference is commercial photos are often what I call conceptual. There's a concept involved and there's a story behind the photo. And that's part of what makes it engaging to a customer. Um, and maybe it's the concept is like uh, longing. And so I don't know, it's like a product that allows you to spend more time with your dog or something. And the dog is, is laying on the couch, looking out the window at the driveway, and you know that the stories they're waiting for their owner to get home from work. And so it's it's telling a story to sell a product or service. So that would be like mm-hmm. a commercial photo. Um, of course, you can create the same kind of thing in portrait work, but that's not something that you're really going to focus on per se. It's like, you know, most important photo in the shoot. And then the last thing I'll mention in terms of differences are um, – Portrait photos are usually realistic. Even though we're spending all this time retouching, making them look perfect, they're still pretty realistic. And many commercial photos, this is starting to change, but traditionally commercial uh, photos have been more aspirational. So it's the beautiful, perfect environment, you know, the gorgeous backyard, all the people are perfect. And you're like, that's not my life, (laughs) you know, when you look at it, but it actually helps sell things. So that's why you have everything is just like amazing and perfect. And we call it aspirational, like people aspire, like, I want that to be my life. And if I buy that product, my life is going to look like that. Like everyone's going to have perfect skin and like look all well rested, and everything. And the dogs are going to be perfect. You know, it's just like not real life. Um, Um, but the many brands are starting to get away from that. Like when I was hired by pedigree to do the shoot, uh, what's hilarious is that I worked really hard on that. It was my favorite shoot ever. And, and at the end, the feedback we got from corporate was they're too perfect. And I was like, what? And they wanted more like dirty and gritty and like real. And like, uh, like, um, the art director, who's now a friend of mine who I adore, um, she's also an Aussie. Hi, Sarah. Um, she said, um, she said, love well, <laughs> the highlights. And I was like, What? What? Like, what are you talking about? Blow out the highlights. I don't even know how. Like, I, you know, that's something I've been working on getting away from for how many ever years. Like, how do you tell me to do that? I don't know how to do that. Um, and so it's funny. I was just, I remember just kind of like spinning the dial on my camera, going like, "All right, how can I screw this up? Right? Like, how can I, how can I make this look (laughs) more like?" I guess like a photo that anyone would have taken. Um, So that you will notice that kind of quality in commercial photos that are being put out now is there, many of them are starting to look more realistic and, and like real world, you know? Uh, And that's probably mirrored by social media, you know, because everyone's sharing their life and you see all like the messiness in life and people look like shit when they wake up in the morning. That's just like real life, you know? And so I think brands are starting to understand that people actually relate to that and that resonates with them. Um, But many of the really big brands, like if you're going to be hired by like a Purina for, for example, it's going to be aspirational, beautiful, big, big, big budget because it's going to be like, um, like a super high perceived value on everything. So, Right. That's, that's the whole table, um, and these are you know s- kind of side by side criteria. They're a little bit easier to understand if you're comparing each one. Um, but that was the best way that I was able to qualify what the differences are.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's great advice, and it makes it all really easy to understand. Now You mentioned your art director friend. So, are you getting? I mean, this is probably a really open ended question. How do you attract most of your? say inquiries or commercial gigs and that sort of thing in the first place.
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of all over the place. Um I mean, mm-hmm. the, you know, the way the way that an, uh, uh, we call them art buyers and art buyers, anyone who's hiring a commercial photographer, regardless of what they're well, there's the title of art buyer, which is an actual position, um, a job title, but um, art buyers could be anyone, it could be a marketing director in a in a company, and they ha- they right. do their own creative in house, they don't hire an ad agency, an art buyer could be someone who works at an ad agency, uh you know an art buyer could be a small business and it's the owner that's buying the art so it's anyone that's buying the art um so they search for photographers in a very 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 wide variety of different ways a much much wider variety than a private client would who's hiring a pet photographer um so for me historically, I for a long time was getting the majority of my inquiries through my website, so through search engine mm-hmm. optimization. Um it, uh, I, I imagine the same is true where you guys are, but Google changed at some point in time to local searches so that You know, Mm -hmm. if you're doing a search in your city for commercial animal photographer, for example, you're primarily going to get results in your city. Um, so it's made it really hard to compete on a national or even international scale with other photographers, because here's the thing that's important to know when you do commercial photography, um, there are no geographical boundaries period whatsoever. Um, my, my art director friend who lives in Melbourne has been wanting to get me over to Australia to do shoot over there. Cause she knows how much I love Australia. I've never been. <laughs> um, and it's certainly not without, uh, outside the realm of possibility at all. Um, because agencies hire photographers from all over the place to come and shoot wherever. I mean, it doesn't matter where, um, the bigger shoots have the budget to pay for travel and, you know, lodging. So, so because of that everyone is competition no matter where they live doesn't matter like you and i all three of us could be bidding on the exact same project for the same client like it happens all the time um so so the web inquiries have reduced dramatically since a there there have been more and more um photographers entering the industry so you know increase competition um, and then two the difficulty of doing a google search for any photographer anywhere um, so i have been getting more and more inquiries through referral so it's other clients that i've worked with in the past and to be honest with you i'm not very good at <laughs> not very good at keeping that up. Like, you know, there are many photographers who will, who will go and ask, like, you know, they'll follow up with past clients and just, Oh, I'm terrible. I don't know why I'm so bad at that. I'm terrible at that. I just, (laughs) it's just not something I think to do. Um, but luckily I do get referred, um, for other projects. Um, I've I receive inquiries. I do port, uh, portfolio reviews sometimes, which are meetings with a wide variety of different people in the industry. Anyone from an art buyer and ad agency to um, a freelance art producer or a creative director or. A photographer's rep. Uh, it's just all kinds of different people that I meet with, and sometimes they'll they'll refer me, or they'll end up working on a project that they're interested in me for. Um, trying to think of some other ways that clients so, find Jamie, me. So Jamie, does that mean um, you're not
0: actively? I've... Sorry, to <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you're not really actively looking for new jobs. Like you you usually just wait for them to come to you. Um...
2: Oh, I do. I do. Um, so uh, I guess that's kind of, it's kind of a two part yeah. answer. One is how, like, if, if I'm tracking marketing methods, you know, like, I think you all probably have a, a little, a little, um, a form field that says, mm-hmm. how did you find out about my business? So that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of half of it, right. It's like when they do fall into your lap, how did they, what was the, you know, what was the, uh, the, um, the kind of trail that led them to you. Um, so the half of it is, you know, tracking that. So in terms of me tracking like what marketing methods actually work. Um, but no, I, I do and have done, um, much more than that many marketing efforts that resulted in absolutely nothing, just a huge waste of money. Um, other marketing methods that were really easy, uh, that I ended up getting fantastic shoots out of that cost me nothing. Um, And it's, um, I have, I have a, um, I have a marketing guide that's, I want to say it's 90 pages long. Um, and it's filled with nothing but commercial photography marketing. It's a huge subject because as I mentioned a little while ago, when we started talking about this, there's a very, very wide variety of different ways a commercial photographer can market their work. Um, Uh so let me see if I can just go down the list of mine off the top of my head. Um, so there's, there's SEO, which to me is still really important even though it's more challenging now. Um, Number two is portfolio reviews, which are probably arguably my favorite way to market and make connections. Um, Number three is communicating with people that I work with as part of my team. So that would be anyone in the industry, whether it's uh, a digital tech or a producer or a stylist or a fellow photographer or anyone saying hey who do you work with that you think might be interested in my work um, because everyone has connections and they all have different connections so you never really know uh, and you never know if you work with a stylist on one shoot if they'll have another shoot that comes up that they can they can actually refer you for and it may sound kind of weird because why would a stylist be referring but that's just sort of how the industry works is, is ref- as referrals to your business could come from anyone or anything. Um, I do follow up with art directors and creative directors. I think I'm better at that than I am contacting like companies themselves. I have no idea why. Um, but I will follow up with them once or twice a year and say, Hey, do you have any projects coming up? Um, I will sometimes track. Uh, It's hard to do, but sometimes I'll track past art directors that I work with at one company when they move to another company because their client list Mm -hmm. will change. So, you know, maybe they worked in New York before and they were working with this one pet brand and then they moved to LA and they're working with a different pet brand that I want to worked with. But I didn't have any previous connections at that agency, but now I do since I know the art director that moved there. Did that make any sense at all? That sounded like...
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. no, that makes that sense. That sounds really
2: complicated, but it's not. It's just, it's all about relationships. Um, it's it's right. very similar to the port photo- portrait photography industry, but it's far more important in the commercial photography industry is establishing, you know, creating from scratch relationships, establishing them, nurturing them over time, staying in touch, and leveraging them for any work that you can possibly get.
1: Right. So a, a an inquiry or a, a message comes into you asking for a bid. Is, would that be how a job starts out? Yes, exactly. Um, um, and then I know knowing, you know, what and how the quote for a commercial gig is usually incredibly confusing, especially photographers who are just starting out in that side of the industry and I know that you have the big commercial photography guide bundle which obviously would be way easier to follow reading something than listening to it Um, and we will be adding all links to that so the listeners can check it out if, if and when they want to really dive into all of this but for those who are listening right now do you have general advice or guidelines that you could share when it comes to quoting for commercial work? Like where should people start?
2: Yeah. So it is a, it's a very complicated, um, usually very overwhelming process (laughs) and it still is for me, even though I've been doing it for many, many years. Um, there's always nervousness and excitement when receiving a request for a bid. Um, usually the way it starts is the, the, um, the art buyer. I'm just going to use the the blanket term art buyer. That's whoever's contacting Mm -hmm. you that is considering hiring, hiring you. we'll We'll call them art buyer. So when the art buyer contacts you, usually the very first email is, um, uh, I'll just, this, this would be like to me off the top of my head. Um, Hey Jamie, we have a client who is has a shoot coming up. Um, who really loves your work. Uh, they need new photos for blah blah blah. Fill in the blank. Um, it's usually pretty general, so they might say like new new product packaging. They're not going to tell you exactly what it's for. Uh, they won't they won't mention the client by name. Usually, you won't know. Um, and they'll say the client's really hoping to have the photos, or let's say the 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 product is going to print in 90 days or something and the client's really hoping to have the photos by such and such date are you available to shoot so that's the first email is this is what we're doing we're interested in you are you available Uh, because if you're not available then they're not going to ask you to bid obviously because you're not going to do it and then you respond back and say um I am. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. I would love to get more information. Uh, And what I always do and what I recommend people doing is that first response that you send, tell them that you're more than happy to sign a non-disclosure agreement and you're used to doing that for most of your projects. Oftentimes, the next email you get from them will actually have a non-disclosure agreement or an NDA attached. Because what that enables them to do is that enables them to send you what's called a creative brief. If they have one and most shoots have a creative brief, the creative brief includes a more specific information on the shoot often includes photo examples. So, um, they call them comps, comparables um, to what they're hoping to create. And these comps, they may have sourced from anywhere. It could be you know Google Images or a stock agency or your own website. I love seeing that when they send me a creative brief that's filled with my <laughs> photos. I'm like, yes, because <laughs> you know, it's probably more <laughs> likely you're going to land that job if your photos are in the creative brief. Um, and then sometimes I'll see those that I I know who they belong to. I'm like, damn it, because I know I'm probably bidding against them. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So the photos will be a a big tell when it comes to you getting some sort of idea of like what the result needs to be. So if the client Mm -hmm. can send you the creative brief uh, after you have filled out, signed a non-disclosure agreement and faxed or emailed it back to them, that will help tremendously the next step, which is quoting the job uh creating your bid um and so you know if, so the process will go like this they go hey uh this is what we need this is when we need it by are you interested you respond yeah totally interested really interest interest interested and available and i want to do it cool send me an send me an nda and then they go great here's the nda um sign it as soon as you send it back we'll we'll send you a, create a brief That happens within like a day, maybe two days. Um, and you want to respond to these really quickly, like as fast as you can. And it doesn't matter if you're replying from your iPhone, like even if there's typos in it, like speed is of the essence in the commercial world. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to wait for 24 hours. You're going to do it like as soon as that pops up on your phone. And if you're doing commercial work, you're going to need to enable email notifications on your phone and you're going to, you're going to need to check it a lot. Um,
1: Oh, pitching yourself no. with commercial
2: work because <laughs> here's the thing. Um, this is a kind of a tangent, but it's a really important one to understand. Many commercial photographers have an agent or a rep. I, I like to use the term rep because we call it being repped by, and am repped by this agent or this rep. Um, reps. Or work in the office primarily their job is an office job and reps respond like immediately um, to you know emails and text messages and what have you from potential clients so when you're bidding you could very well be competing against another photographer that has a rep who is responding to this email within like 15 or 20 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever, even if it's just a quick, like, Hey, yeah, you know, we'd love to hear more. I'm working on a bid right now. Um, so I can't, I I can't communicate about it, you know, until tomorrow or later tonight or whatever, but send me over the info. Even if it's just like a one line response, they may be responding like immediately. So that's what you're competing against potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And like in my case, I do very, very infrequent, very high budget shoots, generally speaking. So I am, I spend a lot more time behind the computer than I do doing photography. And that puts me in a position of being able to respond right away. Um, So uh, getting back to the process. So you're going to go back and forth really really quickly like the first day maybe day and a half um send off the nda get the creative brief review the creative brief and then after you do that or you might not get a brief you don't always get a creative brief for every every bid request um the next thing that you need to do is ask a shitload of questions like like a ton of questions because you need information on every potential aspect of the shoot you need to know all about the subjects you need to know all about the location you need to know about props you need to know about what kind of lighting they want you need to know what the photos need to look like because it might involve renting specialty lenses or maybe the client has an expectation that you're going to be shooting with medium format and you're like Ugh. you know i would be like i Mm, outside of my wheelhouse can't do that um and so the more information you have on the shoot the more smoothly it's going to go uh and our buyers that contact you are used to needing to provide this so usually they're more than willing to come back to you with laundry list of things that, that the client is expecting occasionally you'll get really generic information which is always really frustrating for me because i'm like i don't i don't even know where to start with this like you're asking me right. to make the decisions for you, you know, when I really don't care what kind of house we shoot in, you know, <laughs> like i I show up and shoot. That's my job. Like my job isn't to decide what color the couch needs to be, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so then you ask all of these questions about every aspect of the shoot. Um, you get as much information back as possible. And for me personally, it's not unusual for me to send two or even three emails clarifying and asking more questions, which I always feel like uh, I'm probably like putting them off, but I I don't have enough information to adequately create a fair bid. And usually if I don't have enough information, I'm going to bid really high because I'm planning for contingencies that I couldn't have foreseen because the client didn't give me enough information. So it's to their benefit to provide as much detailed information as possible. That makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. So the more detailed information you have, the better, the easier it is to bid. So then what you do, is you sit down and you stress out and you pour yourself a glass of wine or a beer or a delicious soda or whatever it is that you drink or water or whatever. And you take a deep breath and you're like, okay, how do I do this? Um, And of course your brain immediately goes to pricing. Like what in the world do I charge for this? Um, Mm. And I recommend that people don't, they try not to immediately go to pricing because everything else is, is, equally, if not more important. Um, and that is like, what are all of the elements involved in the shoot? And how long is this going to take? And who do I need to hire? What people do I need on my team? And what kind of expenses are we looking at in terms of like permits or location fees or rental fees? Um, what do I need? Like what are all of the elements that I need to do my job really, really well? That's where it should start. And you just go, you go down, down the, down the list. Um, when I say list I'm, I'm referring specifically to, um, BlinkBid. I use software called BlinkBid. Most commercial photographers use BlinkBid, and it's a bid creation software. And what it does is it enables you to um, spit out a bunch of information into the form of a PDF that you may email to the art buyer. So the the list is um, a list of photography fees, usage fees, and all of the expenses. And the expenses are all in different, unique categories. So what I do is I move through the list, sometimes in a random order, sometimes in logical order, and I go, okay, for crew, who do I need on my crew? I need this person, this person, this person. Um, What do we need for food? What do we need for rentals? What do we need for travel? What do we need for location? And there's all like very specific categories. Uh, And the cool thing about BlinkBid is you can actually plug in the numbers ahead of time and it'll save. So like, my retouching fee is 150 per hour, and that's the same regardless of who the client is, like what size they are. So I don't have to type 150 in every single time I include retouching on a bid. Um, and then that's true, like my producer has the same... The assistants have the same fees. You you've set all that up ahead of time, which makes creating the bid relatively easy if you know what's involved. So you create the bid, and then the hardest part about it is determining what the usage fees are because every single mm. project is so different. So I use, um, I say, like four or five different pricing tools to determine usage fees. Um, and there, there are software programs like PhotoQuote which help. And also uh, BlinkBid has a price, I think it's called like a price assist calculator or a usage be assistant or something. I don't know what it's called, but in the BlinkBid software, there's a section on usage fees and helping you figure out what those could be. Um, there's also uh, Getty Images has a calculator. It's pretty general, but it but it can kind of give an idea. Um, and then I also refer to past bids and quotes I've sent. Sometimes I'll even bid for the same client repeatedly, so I'll go back to a past bid and go, "Okay, well." What, what did I bid before? Um, and, and, um, that works really well if you know that you submitted a bid that they um, said was competitive but you didn't land the job. A competitive bid means that it was right in line with other bids they received, uh, which is always really great to hear, but doesn't mean that you'll land the job. Um, so I can refer to other competitive bids and go, okay, well, this is this is the size of client that I did this bid for and this was reasonable, um, so I can use that pricing for this new bid. Um I mean, I use any resource I possibly can. I'll look online. I may talk to another photographer colleague and go, what in the world should I charge for this? I don't even know. <laughs> uh, and then as far as the, the the photography fees, the fees that you charge to do the work, it's the same thing that you would do for your portrait photography business, factoring costs, um, your, your operating costs, how many shoots you can do per year. Um, it's a little bit more complicated when you're doing portrait work as well because hundred percent of your income isn't coming from commercial work um but i recommend that people not charge less than they would if they weren't doing portrait work if that makes sense so charge Uh like a a reasonable fee uh, that another commercial photographer would be charging and i quite honestly you guys i don't know what that would be in australia i don't know what a competitive photography fee would be um is so that something you would need to research uh, in your area? Although most most of our listeners are in the states oh, anyway. Okay. Well, there we go. Um, yeah. So th- those go uh, just I mean uh, across the board, just like any other photographer. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got you even have um, commercial photographers who don't charge usage fees at all. They just charge like an hourly photography fee, and I'm like, right. what? Right. Like you're leaving so much money <laughs> now, on the table. Just to-
1: to clarify for listeners who are completely new to commercial photography, when you say usage fee, you're talking about say they want it only on social media or they want it for the website or it's in print advertising, that sort of thing, right? Right. And um, like where are they actually using yeah, the Yeah, i have already
2: mentioned that because I know there's a lot of confusion around fees and what they're for in commercial photography. And it's it's actually quite simple. Um, they're for a commercial photo shoot there are three different categories of fees. One is a photography fee, which I just talked about, which used to be called a day rate. Um, And we as commercial photographers are trying to get away from that. Um, And the term that's usually used is photography fee or creative fee, which is like an all-inclusive fee. Um, And we can come back to that if you guys want to. Um, but so you have a photography fee, which is paying for the photographer's time and talent. So just like important I work. I
1: much prefer the idea of that than a day or half day, because it always frustrates me. Um, feeling like working efficiently uh, is going to <laughs> shoot me in the yeah. butt. You know what exactly. I mean?
2: Exactly. <laughs> I, I
1: hate it when I have to quote for a day or half day because I'm like, but it. I want to work quickly and efficiently, but I guess I'm dragging this out to fill the right. day. So yeah, I love that idea. Just side note, yeah, sorry. Well, and
2: here's the thing too: is that there's really no such thing as a half day in commercial photography <laughs> because you know the time it takes you and your assistant and and your producer, if you if you have one, to get everything together, to get all of your you know your your shoot needs together, get props if you're bringing them, get all of your equipment, test lighting, like do all that stuff is going to take time and then you get to the shoot and then it's going to take time to set everything up and then it's going to take some time for your subjects to get ready and then you have the time of the shoot itself and then you have the tear down time, you might be tearing down lights, you're you're putting away cords, you're checking all your camera gear, you're you're cleaning up your gear, you're storing your memory cards. And then you have the time where you're you're going and dropping off equipment, you know, maybe you're returning lens rentals or something, or you've got business you need to take care of with your producer, or you're going over the numbers or something. But listen, by the time you've done all of that, a two hour shoot ends up being six to eight hours easily. Mm -hmm. So there's no such thing as a half day, um, which I think is just one of the reasons why many commercial photographers prefer to do a creative fee now. And a creative fee includes the photography fee, so the payment for the photographer's time, the usage fee, and any other photography fees that go directly to the photographer. Like maybe they might include retouching or some, some post work or something in there would be all part of the creative fee which is everything, but the shoot expenses. Um, so backing up, uh, you've got the photography fee or the creative fee. If it's all inclusive, you have the usage fee, which I'll come back to. And then you have the expenses. Those are all the categories. Expenses are all the things that don't go to you. They go to things you need to do the shoot. Well, the usage fee, which is the fee in the middle is what the client is paying to use the images for that specific or their specific purpose. Um, uh, trying to go back to my train of thought when I was thinking about photographers who don't charge for usage fees. So here's the problem. The, when you are pricing for commercial photography, you are pricing based on the value to that specific client. And so every single job is different unless you're doing the same exact work for the same exact client with the same outcome every single time, which is very rare, um, it's always going to be different. And so a multinational company that's investing $20 million in new product packaging has a much different value in the photos than, say, a national company who's just doing a two-week-long digital ad. That makes sense, right? So therefore mm-hmm. the pricing is going to be totally different for the usage fee. So it's never made sense to me why you wouldn't charge a usage fee because you're giving the same, you're, you're giving the same benefits and values to every size client for every project, no matter what the end use is and what the value is to the client. Um, so uh, there's really two different options when it comes to usage fees. And, um, One option is becoming a lot more common, which I don't like, which is another reason why I want to try and educate people. Um, That'll be the second option. The first option is you calculate the specific usage for those photos and you very clearly define it. This is what the, the vast majority of commercial photographers do, especially those that have an agent, is they are saying in their actual usage license, they're saying usage for our license to use, um, 12 images in, uh, let's see, come on, Jamie off the top of my head. Uh, okay. Four images in magazine ads and full page time magazine for two months, eight images for website use for one year and then so on and so forth. Uh, and then you'll include the geographical distribution, uh, and the quantity if, there's, if they're being printed, um, and the time frame. It's like all, all the criteria of that license will go in the written license itself. And then any use that falls outside of that license would incur an additional usage fee. And they contact you for it. Um, if the client uses anything outside of that usage fee, like what some people are probably wondering right now is well, like how do you stop them? That's like, you know, our, our our private clients are they're constantly doing stuff with our photos that they're not supposed to, you know, that <laughs> you're like, ah, I told you not you can't do that with that photo, but they do it anyway. Um with commercial photography you have a very beefy contract which is um it's actually called the terms of use for those photos and you attach that to the usage license so that the terms of use are are very clear when it comes to what the client can and cannot do you spell it out for them so that they're they're in breach of a legal contract if they use the images for anything that they didn't pay for um do you guys have any questions about that, that kind of usage? And I'm guessing in is pricing. No, in in that, a that lot of that is in detail in okay. the, um, um, your guide,
0: Jamie, is that right?
2: Yeah, it, it, yeah, it goes in depth on that. There's, there's um, the, there in the, um, the big guide to commercial photography, which is the like 350 mm-hmm. plus page uh, ebook that I mentioned, there is a chapter on pricing and it's a long chapter and it's, in my opinion, it's probably the most challenging chapter. It's not the kind of material that you want to read late at night when you're tired, because it involves a lot of uh, <laughs> critical thinking and being able to use logic and, and reason. And there are um, very specific examples where I walk through all of these like different scenarios that someone might encounter. Uh, and it talks about uh, just it's a very complicated, sometimes convoluted process of determining what appropriate photography and usage fees would be for each job. Um, so I, I it's one of the longest chapters in that ebook. Mm-hmm. And I did that Great. because I know how confusing it is. Um, so there's just so much you have to, you have to take into account when it comes to, creating fair pricing and it just will not work to just pull a price off the top of your head, which is what most people do when they're just starting out in the commercial world. They're like, well, shoot, $5,000 sounds good to me. You know, and I would come and take a look at it and be like, "Ah, oh, this is a $25,000 shoe. Like, don't do that. Um, like these are all the things you're missing. and This is what you're not looking at anyway. Um, and then I lose the job cause they get it. <laughs> um okay (laughs) (laughs) take sip of beer (laughs) um okay
1: so so that's basically what you've just covered is the vice the the complete opposite of doing usage would be to do an all-inclusive license and you're just giving them the photos and they do what they want with them and Essentially, you're then leaving all that money on the table, yeah. Because
2: yeah, so there's there's no way to make. There's really two different options. So, it, you know, the funny thing about the commercial photography industry is that. There's this constant push and pull between corporations and, and ad agencies and photographers and ad agencies and their client. Well, it starts with the client and the clients are the ones that piss me off the most. The client is the corporation, (laughs) but your client is whoever's directly hiring you. It's, it's kind of it's kind of confusing, but the client is the Mm -hmm. big guy, like the one who shows up on set on a Thursday afternoon. And you're like, all right, no swearing today, guys. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's like the big boss, right? Um, the big client is constantly asking for more for less. We want all this stuff and we don't want to pay more than this for it. And the photographers are pushing back and saying, no, that's not possible. Um, but the problem is the more we push back, the more, the greater our chances are that we lose the, the jobs. Um, and so it's, it's a really tricky like dance that, that we dance with these clients. So the, what clients have been asking for more and more, and this is the second, um, pricing kind of strategy or option that some commercial photographers do, um, is a, it's called a full buyout. And what that means is they're buying all of the photos and they're paying essentially one flat fee for them. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. it can involve a release of copyright or transfer of copyright, but not always. Um, that's generally what's called work for hire, where you're considered essentially an employee and you're you're just a button clicker. Um, you're making the photos and then the client own, legally owns all of them and they can do whatever the hell they want. There's no uh, restrictions on usage. So that would be a work for hire situation, which is something I never do. I, w- I will never and I would never do that. Full buyout is different in that you can retain the copyright to the photos, but you're not restricting the licensing. Um, And the big companies know that a full buyout shoot is going to reasonably have a very, very high fee attached to it. So we're talking, you know, Mm -hmm. $150,000, $200,000 because they're paying for any and all potential usage in perpetuity. So that's a full buyout. Mm -hmm. Now, because more and more and more clients are requesting that, um, often for good reason, because the advertising landscape has changed so much that it's really hard for many companies to be able to determine what their actual needs will be. Even if it's a huge company and they've been hiring commercial photographers for 20 years, it's still challenging just because... just because it's changing so quickly, you know, consumer behavior is changing so quickly. And as soon as you figure out what works, it changes. So, so I I get that. I appreciate that. Um, but it still sucks to be asked for a full buyout, uh, when you're not being, uh, compensated appropriately for it. So the pushback Mm -hmm. that photographers have developed is a creative fee. And it sounds better and it is better generally. And that is rolling all the fees into one, which makes it harder to quantify what the usage fee would be for each photo. But it, it it's educating the client that I am – you, this is not just, I, I'm not just creating assets for you to use, and these are a commodity. I am creating this body of visual art for you to use for your advertising purposes. So it's kind of a different perception there. Um so what, mm-hmm. what a lot of photographers are doing now is the creative fee that includes the usage fee when it's really hard or impossible to determine on an image by image basis what the usage would be. And that's a lot more common when you're, you're talking about like a large body of work. So maybe the client needs like a hundred photos and you're like, okay, well, right. they're not going to pay $675,000 in usage, usage fees, which is what it would be if I broke it down for each one of these, you know, photographs. Um, mm-hmm. so it's a way of getting still a, a good chunk of money, um, for, uh, a shoot that includes a lot of photos without, without agreeing to or offering a full buyout. It's, I mean, it sounds like it's just, it's just the words are a little different, but, but it's more than that. It's the perception is different. The process is somewhat different. So I hope, I know this is really complicated. I I hope that makes sense.
1: That, That does make sense. And so for the listeners out there who are in the early stages of diving into commercial photography, it sounds like the idea of a creative fee rather than charging usage would particularly be more suited for when they're working with smaller businesses as well because I can imagine in that sort of situation, if you're working, doing a commercial shoot for a smaller business or a local business, we're not talking like national businesses with huge budgets, but you still want to be quoting appropriately. So you've done your portfolio building, you're now at the stage where you're quoting appropriately, creating a quote, where with what you're talking about a creative fee that included a more flexible usage license for the business feels like it would be more accepted by the businesses especially as they would have absolutely no idea about what they should be expecting from their commercial photographer
2: am i Correct. right you guessing yeah, that absolutely it's a really really great point um the the concept of usage fees is really hard to sell on new commercial clients because they don't mm. get why they should be paying for these photos in the future or on an ongoing basis when they already paid you for them. Like why, Like why? They feel mm-hmm. like they're being nickeled and dying. They feel like they're being taken advantage of, to be quite honest. And that's not a good way to start a relationship with anyone. <laughs> Um, right. <laughs> unless they're like a total masochist and they're like, use me, abuse me. I love it. Um, so, um, what I do with my small local business owner clients and I do still work with them for sure. I mean, I, am not going to do a shoot for $500, but you know, those that see the value in it and are willing to invest some money, um, I, I I'll work with anyone really. Um, what I do is I do mm-hmm. packages and that's what I call them is package fees. So it's exactly like, uh, Unlike most commercial photography pricing, working with small and local businesses, doing the pricing for that is exactly like creating package pricing for a pet owner or a family. You create, you're going to do three, you know, two or three different packages. They ha- each have different inclusions. Um, increasing the inclusions as the prices go up. give give them different options and then you can have a bunch of add-ons like add 10 more photos or add another two models or add another location or whatever um so that they can get like the 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 basic things that they need but if they want more they, they can always add it on for an additional price so that usually makes a lot more sense to a small business owner than than the commercial photography pricing that we just went over um and I think a lot of that is because maybe they have worked with a photographer before, and they they've seen packages before, so they're kind of familiar with it. You know, outside mm-hmm. of of doing um, uh, getting photos for their businesses, um, so that just makes that just makes more sense to me. And then and then of course, you know, the, the, all of the pricing um, psychology is exactly the same of like whichever package you're going to sell the most you want to have the, like the best profit margin on and be getting like, you know what I mean? I, I think we've all done yeah. that like price price your middle package. Yeah, well, <laughs> we've all done that pricing psychology. So the same, the same things apply. And the, the really great thing about that is that, um, it's, it's so similar to what you're already doing. Um, so it's going to make it even easier to get started in, you know, Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be this big, complicated thing unless uh, an email drops into your inbox from a huge ad agency in New York, in which case you're like, "Oh my god, what do?" I do? Um, but when you're approaching, well,
1: <laughs> in w- in which case you quickly refer to Jamie's yeah, big commercial guy.
2: exactly, <laughs> exactly, or, or email email um, me for consulting and go, "Sure, yeah," be like, "All right, <laughs>
1: exactly." Okay. All right, okay. Where's your hand? I'll
2: hold um, it and I'll walk you through it. It's going to be take a deep breath. It's be okay.
1: <laughs> now I'm very aware that we have taken up so much of your time you're absolutely amazing and i'm like my head is exploding so i can imagine exactly how the listeners are feeling right now um i mentioned just now the big commercial guy but do you want to give us a quick, um, run through, we'll put links and everything to it, but just before we wrap up the
2: interview. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, um, those of you who, who have already followed my business and know, and know me, um, may know that I launched a stock photography website, uh, a year ago called fetch stock. And, um, in the spring of this year, and by the way, as a total aside, my stock website is like dead in the water. I'm not signing on any photographers. I really don't know what I'm going to do with it moving forward. So it's just like, <laughs> it's like, Meh. it's not doing anything. Um, in the spring of this year, I created, I wrote and created and put together a um, commercial photography bundle. I was calling it a guide at the time, but it's so much more than a guide uh, because it includes uh, contracts, forms, um, documents, releases, and like 10 or 11 mini guides. And then the, the big, um, ebook, the big commercial photography guide. So it's like every single element you could possibly need for commercial photography. So I put them all, I put all of that. Well, it's just one product at the time. I put it on my fetch stock website. And then very recently I, Created a new website just for the commercial photography products and that is commercialphotography.guide so it's not .com it's .guide commercialphotography.guide and that's the website people can go to and see there are six different products um, including an animal photography bundle which contains a small animal photo- commercial animal photography guide it's really designed for established commercial animal photographers that want additional tips on working with animals, but doesn't include like, this is how you quote for a project or this is how you work with a commercial client. It's all just like animal specific stuff. And it includes uh, commercial animal, um, model property release. Um, and then there's a, a, bundle on contracts and releases. There's one on pricing specifically. There's one for small businesses, which I think is super cool. Um, and then the big commercial photography one, which contains everything. Um, and there's, if you go to the homepage of that website, in the middle of the homepage, you'll see a photo for the big commercial photography bundle. And if you click on that photo anywhere on that part of the page, it takes you to this insanely long page. Um, it's not, it's not a product page. It's a page that goes through every single component that's included in that that big bundle. Um and it and it has a, a, a frequently asked questions and answers. There's just a ton of information on that page if you want more inf- information on it. And since I created all the additional bundles a couple months ago, I would say like 95% of people who pick these up still get that big bundle just because it's a really good value and it includes everything. And it's like basically one stop shopping. You never have to buy anything else again. Um, So that's part, uh, that's a big, big part of the website. And then there are two other parts of the website I want to mention. Uh, The other part is in the main menu, you'll see um, a word that says articles, and that's the blog. And I plan to write um, really valuable articles moving forward. I don't know how often I'll do it. This is kind of like low priority. Um, But I do plan to write Uh, articles for people who aren't really sure if they want to do commercial work and they need more information. Like, what does this even mean? How does it work? And the first article I wrote is, what is commercial photography? And it defines it. Um, So there will be articles, and you you can subscribe to the uh, newsletter at the bottom. And um, once every month or two, I'll send out a newsletter with links to all the new articles so people can read them. And then another section of the website is resources. And I'm starting to compile resources for a photographer, for commercial photographers. And these are... um, people who would go on your team. So there are links to producers, production assistants, assistants, digital techs, Retouchers, stylists, blah, 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 all the people that you could possibly hire as crew for a commercial shoot. So that's only like a, maybe a fifth of the way done, but I'll be adding to those lists over time with uh, names and contact information, and links and stuff. So, so that's basically the third part of it. So the website has a whole bunch of stuff on it. If you're interested in commercial work, I recommend going and looking at everything and then deciding what's what's right for you.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. So listeners that's commercialphotography.guide and yeah, we'll of course put a link in the show notes so that, um, you guys can all check it out. I think I bought it. I'm like long time follower of Cow um, like back in March or something yeah. when we released yeah. it. I was like, yes, finally, someone's <laughs> putting out some information on commercial photography. This is exactly what we need. So it's been so interesting. Um, Listening to you just share so much knowledge and so much of your insights into this really confusing world today. So thank you so 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 much, oh, Jamie. We're really appreciative. Well,
2: the last thing I was mentioning, we should have started with this. I wanted oh, yeah? to say the the question that I get asked the most is, well, um, how do I find information for an for someone who photographs pets commercially? And and the really important mm. thing to understand is that it doesn't matter what the subject matter is, because All of the business stuff, all of the pricing stuff is the same, regardless of what your subject is. Yeah, great. So Mm -hmm. all the information that you can get from my guides applies to you, photographer, regardless of what you're shooting. So I just want to make that really, really clear. And that's also important to understand when it comes to like who you could potentially be competing with, who you might be hired by and all that stuff. Like it's all the same. Mm. You've got the pet photography aspect down. Like you've got that covered. That's great. That's sort of of secondary to everything else in the commercial photography industry. I hope that makes sense. So um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. Thank you guys so much for having me. I hope that was helpful for some people listening
1: that was so <laughs> helpful thank you so so much um yeah we'll pop links everywhere and i'm sure everyone will be very very grateful Alrighty, for everything go. that you shared okay.
2: and don't underbid you guys please thanks. yeah yeah we can have one takeaway that'd be the one
1: thanks so james so much jamie we'll chat okay, to you soon thanks guys that was the incredible jamie piper of cowbelly now i don't know about you guys but my mind is absolutely spinning she said so much information so yeah really appreciative of jamie for coming on board with that i was like madly trying to remember everything and take notes and i think that this is definitely an episode that i personally will be going back and listening to again i do have jamie's big commercial guide um I'm probably, just like you, really confused with a lot of things when it comes to quoting for big commercial clients. I I feel like it is, as we discussed in the podcast, very different when you're working with smaller local businesses, which is what I'm more used to, versus, say, the pet care brands, global businesses, that sort of thing. But it's something that I'm really interested in learning more about. So, Jamie, thank you so, so, so much for coming on board the podcast. You were absolutely brilliant. As always, listeners, we will have all the links and everything. So if you want to grab um, Jamie's bundle, we'll have a link to that within the show notes and we will definitely be discussing everything within the members area. If you're not a member yet... Here comes my little plug. You can join the Pet Photographers Club. It's only $10 a month. It goes a huge way towards supporting Kirstie and I and enabling us to make this podcast and share all the amazing interviews that we have with pet photographers every couple of weeks. So I was going to say Fortnite just then, but we've just learned that you over there in the States don't always know what we mean when we say fortnightly. So in Australia, it's fairly common. It means every two weeks, but we'll try to say every two weeks instead. Anyway, I'm rambling. Um, This was a really long episode, so I'll cut this short now. I'm sure it'll be one that some of you are listening in multiple parts because yeah, what an awesome one. Anyway, hope you're all going so, so well in your business. Hope you're all thriving and enjoying the podcast and I'll say bye for now.